One of the things I love about podcasters, at least most of the ones I run into, is that we're open to this thing called a dialogue. And that's where I express an opinion that is slightly different than yours. And then you voice an opinion that is slightly different than mine. And we start to see if there's anything we can agree on. And so I've never quite understood from a listener standpoint, how do you go about interviewing people that you want as a customer for your guest? That always seemed like, yeah, you're going to make money and you're building the relationship. And I get the strategy, but I was always like, yeah, but what's in it for the listener, the person that's actually listening to the interview that you did that led to you getting a client? Well, I met Toby Goodman at Podcast Movement Evolutions. He's the author of the book, Narrow Podcasting, Make Profitable Connections and Grow Your Business Without Paid Ads, Sponsors, or Thousands of Listeners. And that's just one of the questions we're going to talk about today. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson. I help podcasters. It's what I do. I do it at a website called schoolofpodcasting.com where I help you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. Use the coupon code LISTENER. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And that comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And so today we're going to start off with just a quick tip. Because I see this in many different Facebook groups. I actually just did an episode on Your Podcast Consultant. If you didn't know that, I do a show that is always 10 minutes or less, and it's called Your Podcast Consultant. So if you like your podcasts on the shorter side, check that one out. You can find it at podcastconsultant.com. But the question is, how do I start my podcast after it's been gone a while? Life happened And it's been months, maybe even years. And this is one of those things I think that people overthink. When you start a podcast the first time, you figure out why are you doing this? Who is it for? What do they need? And what do you want them to do? What is the action you want them to take? And when you start a podcast that's been gone a while, you say, well, why am I doing this? Who is it for? What do they want and what do you want them to do? The only difference is when it's brand new, people are like, wow, I found this new thing and it's really cool. And I'll give you a classic example. My friend Daniel J. Lewis does the show, The Audacity to Podcast. And Daniel took years off because he became a full-time father. And I don't know a single one of his listeners that's going to go, oh, man, come on, get your priorities in straight. Of course not. We're all like, oh, go be a dad. Have fun. And he did. And his child has grown up and is at a spot now where he can now try to squeeze in a podcast. And so he's announced that he's coming back in September. So what is Daniel going to do? He's going to kind of pick up right where he left off. He knows why he's doing a podcast. He knows who is listening. He knows what they need. And he's going to give them and probably mention one of his products at the end of it. Because I think that's one of the reasons why Daniel does a show. 
the biggest difference is when I see that first episode from Daniel come back is number one, more than any other podcast in my app. I'm going to go, holy cow, a new episode from Daniel, and I'm going to run, do not walk, and click play on that because I've missed hearing Daniel in my ears. So I think people worry about this because they think their audience is mad because you left them. Well, if you left them like Daniel did and say, hey, I got to go be a dad, I think your audience, who likes you, by the way, is going to understand. So how do you start a podcast that's been gone a while? You simply figure out who your audience is, why you're doing this, what do they want, give it to them, and press record. This is so weird in kind of a way because it's August 21st, and I just got done talking to you when I did the episode for August 22nd. But I'm doing this one now because as you listen to this, I'm coming back from podcast movement. So next week, I will probably have some insights from what I learned at podcast movement. And if I get a chance, I'm going to try to assemble the question of the month. So if you ever wonder, Dave, you know, you've done 800 and some episodes and you've never missed a Monday. How do you do that? By batch recording a couple so that while I'm out traveling around, the episodes continue to go out. And so, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is my discussion with Toby Goodman. He is the author of the book, Narrow Podcasting, Make Profitable Connections and Grow Your Business Without Paid Ads, Sponsors, or Thousands of Listeners. I'll have links to everything that we talk about at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 842. Toby Goodman, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. You do have a wide variety of things. You're a professional drummer. You run a whole sound editing and production and promotion company and things like that. So what inspired you to start the book? Well, the pandemic was a strange period. (laughs) So uh, I had some time on my hands and I wanted to, selfishly, I wanted to secure what I considered to be my IP. You know, I'd run through this process enough times with enough great clients and seeing some results that I wanted to put it into a book and make it the thing that I did. You know, I don't think there's necessarily anything new in the book, but maybe the order in which it's presented is new through the lens of podcasting. And, you know, COVID was a time when I couldn't go out and do gigs and do other things. So I was like, right, okay, I'm going to do a book. And to my surprise, I did a book, even more to my wife and many of my friends. Who didn't <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's what happened. If I don't think I don't think I'd have written a book if if I hadn't been locked in the house for the best part of two years. There you go. The positive side of of COVID. And one of the things I liked about it is you do kind of mention at the beginning of the book. You kind of go through talking about content and such because we are talking about monetization. But you kind of need to have your act together and you go through the whole process of how to approach people and you know how to get the right gear so you sound good and things obviously being an engineer and somebody who does editing <laughs> you want to have things sounding good so you've kind of coined this phrase the the podlationship cycle so let's kind of go through that what's the f- first part of the the podlation cycle as you're going through this whole process well the first thing to be super clear on is 
this book and this process is for people who are business owners who already have an offer that converts. So that is to say, yeah, anyone can start a podcast and good for them and good for you if, if you want to start a podcast for whatever reason. The book is for people who are experts in what they do, they're business owners, and they want to use podcasting to grow their business. They don't want to be celebrity podcasters. I mean, sometimes that might happen, but that's not the primary thing. So the first thing is to say, okay, let's assume, number one, you're that person. Number two, you are creating a podcast with both solo episodes, which are short. They don't take up too much time because we know that people invest. When, when I'm talking about people now, I'm talking about listeners. Listeners will invest in you proportionate to the amount of trust you earn. And that's not just money, that's time. So let's assume, A, that you're a business owner. Let's assume that, B, no one really knows who you are. And let's assume, because of that, people aren't going to spend loads of time listening to you talk about yourself (laughs) for hours on end. And so my idea for your solo shows is to be short and concise, sometimes as little as three minutes, but, you know, 10, 15 minute is cool. And then the other kind of show you want to produce is, is guest interview shows like the one we're doing. And where the podlationship cycle comes in is to say, right, well, who do you want to be speaking with? And the answer is you want to be speaking with one of three types of people on your podcast. They are either or more of the following. So ideal client. And that also, caveat, is going to include past clients as well. So maybe people that you've worked with in the past Mm. because case study episodes are awesome. Case study episodes are a real show, proof of the pudding, rather than tell, which I think is really important. So you can speak with these kinds of people, either people who have been your clients, they are your clients right now, or they could possibly be your clients. That's a great idea. The second kind of person is a powerful referrer. So these are people who would never become your clients, but probably hang out with them and probably know them in some way. You might know on a broad level, that they have a fantastic network. You also might know they're connected very specifically to a person or a couple of people who you think would be a great fit for you. So that's another reason to speak to them. And in the book and in the course that's been created from the book, I've talked about in quite a lot of detail how to approach and how to invite these people on, which is really important. And then the final type of person is a joint venture partner. So someone who does serve the same target market as you, like you and I, Dave, you know, we both serve podcasters, but we serve podcasters who are in a slightly different place in their journey. So therefore, joint venture partners are a fantastic type of person to get on your show. And the idea really is that you create a podcast episode with that person that is so remarkable that they cannot help but share it. So. On one hand, the guest and the relationship with the guest is something you're in control of. And you could say, well, you know, listeners don't matter. But actually, of course, listeners matter. And of course, creating something remarkable in the Seth Godin style (laughs) of saying, like, we're creating something that people cannot help talk about. You have to create a remarkable piece of content, a remarkable podcast, something that sounds beautiful, something that is wrapped in a 
beautiful sounding intro and outro, something with questions that are so unique that the person who's on your podcast doesn't come out with the same <laughs> shtick that they come out with on everyone else's podcast, which is, thank, you know, that there's a whole world of podcasts where people just show up and do their turn and they're interchangeable. So your responsibility as the podcaster and the interviewer is to spend a little bit more time and be a little bit more thoughtful about the questions you ask them so that when they come away, they think, my God, Dave actually did read my book. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's amazing. And I've never been asked that in that kind of way. And the idea is, I think, that you leave people with a feeling, and there's a ton of stuff that you can do as well, but the people who you've spoken with, you leave them with a feeling of really thinking, wow, that was a really unique conversation. I can't wait to share that with X, Y, Z. And the very last part of the relationship cycle is about how to keep that relationship alive. Because I think we're all guilty, podcasters are guilty of creating podcasts and then having to move on and create the next one. And really, you're leaving, as, uh, as you guys would say, a lot of money on the table if you're moving from guest to guest to guest to guest. And you're not continuing a, a version of polite, respectful follow-up with the people who have invested time in you, who have been your guests. They've shown up for you to record your content on your show. So it's up to us as podcasters to also continue to keep in touch with those people. And I understand why that's hard because yeah. I've been myself. But part of that is what the book does give you a framework to enable you to keep in touch with those people. And when you look back six months later, after starting your podcast and you've got, you know, 25 guests, many of them might not know each other, but they all have one thing in common. And that's you. <laughs> that's yeah. your podcast. So how powerful is that when you realize that you are the connecting piece between a fantastic network, as long as you've chosen your guests wisely, how much of a difference would that make if you could enable that network and, and continue co to connect and help the people within that network. And you can use your podcast, even just internally with those, that network of 25 people to say, Hey, Bob, meet Jane. I don't know if you know each other, but if you'd like to get a sense of, of Jane, check out episode 23. Like that in itself, I've personally seen make high six figure deals happen through connecting people. So being a connector is part of that as well. Does that answer your question? It does. And I, I love the fact that you started off with like, okay, first things first, this is a business that's already converting. Like, mm. because really for me, I always think podcasting is just like the world's best marketing tool ever. But if you're bringing people to a website that's not converting that's not really, you're, you're pouring gas on, I don't know, a wet log or something. It's still not going to burn. And I, I know, and you mentioned this, you kind of have this criteria for your potential guests is that either they can hire you or they can refer you to someone. And, and you just kind of mentioned, really, you're kind of looking, yes, for a guest and somebody to answer questions and have a conversation and things of that nature. But really, you're looking for a partner at the end of this someone that it's not just like, hey, I need you for 30 minutes and then maybe I'll bump into you in an event later, twice a year or something like that. It's more of a, 
a partnership that you can reach out and things like that. So one of the things I, I thought about, is it just a matter of the content? Because I always worry about if it's just about, I want to hire someone that could hire me. Okay, but there's still people listening. So how do you go about figuring out what the content's going to be? We know what the directive is. I want this person to hire me or refer me. But what about the listener behind me? Hmm. So there's the other part that we have to address. The position of the show is really important. So you can have a broad position. Okay. And I was, I was thinking about this today because I was thinking I've written a book on narrow podcasting. How can it be misconstrued? So you can have a narrow podcast, which can be Joss Willard, who's a an accountant, basically, uh, and, a, and a coach who's based in Calgary. His show is called Profit for Coaches. So I know what it's about. I know it's about coaches who want to make money, and he's specifically qualified to do that and does that all the time, all day long. So his position is pretty narrow. His show name is pretty narrow. And that's fantastic. So that's one way you could do it. You could make sure that the position of your show is does what it says on the tin, which I encourage for a number of reasons. Easy to get found. I know what I'm clicking on, all of the all of the stuff that we know. The other thing is then to potentially create something that is quite broad sounding. And I wouldn't go so far as to call it the Toby Goodman show. But I would go so far as to say, I created a podcast actually during COVID as well called Crisis Cast, <laughs> right? Which was completely the other opportunistic thing that I did was <laughs> to create this thing. And all I wanted to do was I wanted to connect with a load of people to say, hey, how's it going where you are? What's it like where you are right now? You're in that state or that country? You know, how's it going? How's the homeschooling going? It's awful. In fact, I found it so stressful that I decided to write a book to not do it. That's not strictly true but you know all of these things and so i was bringing people together from seemingly different backgrounds different industries but i also knew that they were potential clients for our production company mm. so it didn't matter that the listener's interest was how are we going to get through the pandemic my interest as the podcast who is the business owner with an offer that converts was to connect those people with each other and to follow up with them and to create a show that was so good and such a snapshot of what it was like early pandemic around the world that they could say, if you want to get a sense of how I was feeling back in March 2019, 2020, whenever it was, this is a great show. And to be thoughtful about the questions and all of that stuff. So what I'm saying to you is, the listener is really important and you can provide the listener with the result that is a very different result from the one that you're looking to get if it's clients and business, as long as it's good. And I've got a client who has a, a podcast about trauma and how she deals with trauma and it's based on her life experience and she speaks to other people and it's a really fantastic podcast that really helps her process a lot of stuff and helps her to connect with other like-minded people. What happens on the back of that podcast is she grows her business. But the first thing <laughs> that she'll say to you is, the people that need my show and listen to it will never be my clients. They're not ready to be my clients yet. Mm. But it's the guests on, or the people around the guests who are on, that get more of a sense of who she is, that they connect her to the right people, and she gets massive clients off the back of that. 
because what she's doing actually, and it's not, we worked quite hard on making sure this wasn't a trauma porn kind of show, but what she's doing is she's having a real human, honest conversation with these people. And what that means is she differentiates herself massively compared to any other podcast that they've been on, right? So the narrow podcasting part comes post-production, comes way after the thing's been broadcast out into the world. And that's on her. But that's not to say the podcast on its own isn't great content for the listeners. So it can separate. The narrow bit can be after, like Karen, or it can be in front, like Joss. Does that make sense? It does. And the next thing I was going to ask you, because you keep talking about the podcast has to be good. And I think you've kind of answered the question already, which is number one, it's narrow. So when people tune in, they know exactly what they're going to get, you know, profit for coaches or, or whatever, you know, the trauma podcast here, you've done your research. So you're asking questions that are maybe uh, hopefully a few grades above. So tell me a little bit about yourself. (laughs) That drives me nuts. Um, right. You know, so you're asking good questions and what else do you think is a, a, you've got good audio you talk about that and proper mic technique, anything else we're missing in terms of somebody says, well, what's a good podcast? Well, the answer to that is of course, uh, you know, it's completely subjective, right? You know, where are you? I think another really important thing, which I'm sure you've covered is and I credit where credit's due is, is uh, Julian Treasure, who's a top Ted, speaker he's written a book called how to be heard where he talks about listening positions he talks about through a conversation you change someone's listening position from potentially slightly defensive slightly closed or being well to slightly open and that's great you can open someone's mind up or you can change someone's opinion perhaps through an engaging conversation as we know and the thing that we we don't actually have power over, but we should really be mindful of is in our mind, where is our ideal listener when they listen? So, you know, the, the standard stuff about the great thing about podcasts is it connects where screens can't get to you on the tube, walking the dog at the gym, you know, like all of this stuff yeah. that everyone says, which is so true. And I love it. But also what part of the day you know, if they're walking the dog in the morning, maybe they are listening to something that's a bit more self-developmenty. And if they're driving home after a long day's work, maybe they're listening to a comedy podcast because it's keeping them awake, but it's not too, it's yeah. not too, uh, you know, I don't have to intellectually get engaged in it. So I find that I have listening habits based on the time of the week, the mood I'm in and all of that stuff. So if we're really clear on well, where and when do I want to connect with my podcaster and what kind of mood might they be in and what kind of mood do I need to get them into after they've listened so is it just that you want them to feel like they're more informed do you want them to feel more relaxed you want them to feel excited Tony Robbins style whatever it is really think about the change that you're making by the time that a listener has listened to your show and who they are and it matters most who you want to connect with on a broader sense. Because the thing about podcast listeners is we haven't got a clue who's listening to our show <laughs> unless they raise their hand. Yeah. So that's why I say, hey, let's make sure that we're speaking with people that can 
move us forward with fitting our own gas mask first, if you like. But we are also thinking really mindfully about who it is that we want to connect to. Because of course, our ideal listener's persona is kind of the same as our guest. Right. <laughs> and, and I would say more around the referrer. So I wouldn't dare to assume that someone who was listening to this podcast would immediately think, right, I'm going to hire that guy. He's really impressive. But I would hopefully think if we've got this right, and if you're getting your show right, somewhere between the two of us, the people that are listening to your show at least know people who might be interested in working with us on some level, right? In some ways, that's a vague answer, but in some ways, I think that's quite specific. So understanding the listening position that you want to speak into and what change you want to make. Yeah. The other thing I want to ask you about is, because you talk about how to approach guests and then there's a whole bunch about here's how you follow up with them and again keep that relationship going and you talk about podcast promotion one of the things you talk about is audiograms the thing i have a hard time with audiograms is i can't tell if they're working or not there's no clickable trackable link unless there is one and i don't know about it so how do you use audiograms and and how do you measure if they're working or can you measure if they're working yeah I mean, audiograms are not podcasts, right? But the good thing is podcasts are source material. So it might be, yeah, I would say most most of our clients use audiograms because they're kind of cheap to make and, and they're social assets that are better than quotes, although quotes are great as well, right? Also depends, if again, if we go back to the guest, if we think about where they're sharing content, you know, we know that audiograms get a little bit more action than static text posts or whatever. So it's quite easy to create these additional assets off the back of a podcast so you can have people share them. And how do you know if they're getting, how do you know if you're getting the result by creating an audiogram? Well, the answer is A, if your guest actually shares it. <laughs> that's, that's the big one, right? That yeah. you, a lot of my clients are serious experts. They're fantastic at what they do, you know, world-class experts. They aren't going to show up on LinkedIn and say, this is what I think. They're too busy doing the thing. Like right. they're, they're already too busy delivering the, the offer that converts, right? And I think a lot of them are relatively introverted and they have trouble. Most of my clients have trouble just saying, right, you know, this is what I think, you know, it's more about me that you didn't ask for. But they will, if you provide these people who are your guests with a nice audiogram, which features a concise quote from them with good looking graphic behind it, they will likely go to LinkedIn, for example, and say, I had a fantastic conversation with Dave about this, and I was really happy to share it. Here's the link. That's success to me because, again, I'm, I'm assuming that most of my clients and the people that work with me hate social media and everything about it. <laughs> but they also know that they need to kind of play the game. Yeah. And the more places you show up, the more likely it is that you're found. And if you can also not only create a fantastic podcast, but a few other additional social media assets, you're enabling people to share the podcast rather than just saying, well, here's a link to that great conversation. <laughs> if it takes a half an hour more in the post-production process to create a few social media assets, why aren't you doing that? Because they're small gifts that you can deploy over a period of three or four, four weeks after the podcast has gone out for you to stay top of mind with these people. 
the book is narrow podcasting. The website is narrowpodcasting.com. And you mentioned earlier that there is a course that goes along with this. If I want to take the course, what's the, the gist of the course? I hired a woman who I found who's created some of the most remarkable online courses I've done. And she read the book five or six times and interviewed me and then ripped the book apart and reordered it and created what turned into, I think, 33 different slide decks and different worksheets as well. And she's like a world-class online learning designer person. And so we created the course. I recorded all the modules and I got it all up onto the right platforms, which was a nightmare, but I did it. Then I flew to LA and did the book launch. And I was like, there's a whole other thing that I can be selling here. So the course is just under a thousand dollars and I'm working on a few, a few ways of delivering it. So people still get a little bit of me, uh, not n without a Facebook group. I've got, again, I'm not really interested in that. I don't really want to be a celebrity. I've worked with lots of very famous people and I can tell you it's not all it's cracked up to be. So I don't really have a sense of wanting to suddenly be a leader of a massive Facebook group. But I do think considering the course is split up into three phases, there is room for Q&A. So I'm now in including a Q&A over a few weeks and lifetime access and free updates for life, all of that stuff. So the course is called the Profitable Pod Method. And I'll do a, I'll do a page. So, it, so it's um, narrowpodcasting.com forward slash SOP, the School of Podcasting. The longest one's about 20 minutes. Most of them are sort of between five and 10. And each one's got a downloadable worksheet and a few more resources and links. So that's over at narrowpodcasting.com forward slash SOP. Awesome. Well, again, that website is narrowpodcasting.com. You can get the book. You can take the course. You can hire Toby if you want. You're like, hey, that audio editing thing sounds cool. That's over there as well. It's all at narrowpodcasting.com. Toby Goodman, man, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Speaking of having dialogues with people that maybe you quite don't see eye to eye, I met Tanner Campbell at Podcast Movement Evolutions, I believe it was. And we had just got done going like cats at each other on Twitter. And we just sat down and had a conversation. And at the time he was doing some really things that I just thought were crazy. He's like, I ah, don't need RSS feed, which I think he is since kind of gone. Eh, maybe not such a great idea, but I wanted to bring him up because he did a test where he purposely had a group of people subscribe to a brand new show of his. And in a matter of days, he was in the top 100 with a whopping 24 followers. So there are a couple of things we can learn from this. Number one, it wasn't ratings and reviews. And it was people that actually apparently listened to the show because that's what helps you get you up the charts. How many listens did you have? Uh, were they engaged listeners? And did they complete the episode? And... It also then spins it around when we see people that are in the top whatever of the Apple. And can we put up giant quotation marks here? Charts, because they're not charts. It is a trending list that maybe those people don't have a gazillion followers like we thought they did. I've been saying for years, there was a time when Libsyn did a show, it was an episode, 
called Thanks Podcasting. It was around Thanksgiving. They were on the very front page of iTunes back when iTunes was iTunes and maybe got a couple hundred downloads for like a week, like the whole week. So we're talking, I don't know, 15 downloads, something like that a day. So I say this just to say, if you look at the criteria that Apple is looking at, they're looking at, okay, how many listens did you have? Were they engaged listeners, meaning did they listen to at least 20 minutes or 40% of your episode? And then C, did they actually complete the episode? And all of that criteria is about, well, would you listen to a show that wasn't good? Nope. Would you be an engaged listener and listen to a big chunk of it if it wasn't good? Nope. Would you listen to the end of it if it wasn't any good? Nope. So those trending lines are based on people actually listening to the content, following the content. And for the record, for those of you that keep saying Apple, 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 not that I don't like Apple. They've done a lot for podcasting. When you only promote Apple, the people in Europe, 70% of them are on Android phones. So just some insights into those charts. I always say, and again, they're not charts, they're trending lists. Maybe focus more on your listeners and less on the different lists that you can be on. Because when you focus on your audience and you make good content that they then share with your friends, you're going to end up on those lists. Tanner did an experiment and so did I. I've always wondered what the download numbers would look like if you released an entire season at a time. And I do, this is one of my test shows, so it's not really what I would call my A game, but I do a show called Podcasting Resources where I talk about, you guessed it, podcasting resources. Well, I put out 10 episodes, it looks like, and these were released on August 8th, basically all almost at the same time. So a big giant dump of a season. And I wanted to see if some of the episodes that weren't at the top of the list got any kind of plays and they do, but they also really pointed out to me that this is where titles really come in handy. So when you're naming your episode, episode 16, remember nobody is Googling episode 16. And I was not surprised when I saw that these have been out now for about two weeks that the one that got the most plays, which in this case is 63, three, 63 downloads of charts, charts, and more charts. Shocking that that is what podcasters would click on, followed by learn pod page for free, because us podcasters, we are a little on the thrifty side. Uh, Neuron Writer Boost Your SEO, Podcast Freelance Hub, that's a kind of a, a Fiverr kind of website that you can sign up for if you're a podcast consultant. Uh, note tracks, great tool for editors, collaborators, feedback, and more. Followed by PromptSmart, the easiest ways to use teleprompting software. Then Brandy, a brand asset manager to put everything in one place. Ambitful teleprompter for phone or DSLR. Why I have two teleprompters, that's interesting, in one season. But anyway, AdBarker, which is a dynamic ad tool. Influencer Bridge, interview your audience with Rumble Studio and WLM Plus Loudness Meter, which had eight downloads, where the top one in two weeks had 
63. So that's what was my takeaway was number one. I really thought some of these, like, are people going to go back and scroll through and kind of cherry pick an episode? Because obviously the last one that I published is going to be the first one that downloads on any app that says download the latest episode. But I thought, but what about the one that's like nine down? And they do get downloads. Now, obviously the lowest one had eight downloads and the highest one had almost 64. So that's eight times as much. So it's just something to think about that if you really want people and you're releasing a full episode at a time, you better have some really good clickbaity kind of titles so that people go, Ooh, I want to know more about that. It doesn't have to be so clickbaity. It's like, Hey, how to make a million dollars and escape the cubicle in 2.5 minutes. No, it doesn't have to be that clickbaity, but you do have to do more than episode 16 or I don't know, Dave Jackson. I always love when somebody puts somebody's name. That's a horrible title unless it's Paul McCartney, because I don't know who Jim Smith is, but if you said Jim Smith saved me 50% on my insurance, no, this isn't a commercial. I'm just making that up. But if you can explain what Jim Smith or Nancy, you know, uh, Jimopoulos does instead of just her name, that would be beneficial. So that was my little test of releasing 10 episodes at the same time to see what happens. Next week, I'll be back to somewhat normal. Hopefully, I will be COVID free. Hopefully, I'll have a voice. Often when I go to these things, because I talk for a week straight, I have no voice at all, but I'm looking forward to reporting back on what it was like for Podcast Movement 22 in Dallas, Texas. If you'd like to start your podcast, go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER and save on either a monthly or yearly subscription that gets you access to the step-by-step tutorials, the community, the private Facebook group, the private group coaching, as well as unlimited one-on-one time-shifted consulting with you and me. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER. And until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. You know, eight is what? Uh, eight. It's half the down. It's uh, never do math in the podcast. And I met him at Podcast Movement. His name is Toby Goodman. Did I say Tony? Let's go back to the tape, shall we? It is. Where's hold on? Where's the book? It's Toby. I got it right. Did I win? Toby Goodman. Okay, we're doing that again. <laughs>